Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9 o'clock a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the sixth day of September. God, 2023. This is episode 788 of Bitcoin. And putting Noster.com up for sale at $5 million. If you've been wondering what the hell is going on on Noster with all the talk about domains and and meet domain or memes about domains and whatnot it has everything to do with Ben Ark. I I've been following Ben Ark for a while. I'm actually kind of surprised at this particular maneuver. He's getting a lot of shit for it by the way. So let's read the post so that you know what's going on. This happened 20 hours ago. Ben Ark says, Noster.com for sale. $5 million. Offer ends the 20th of September, at which point it will come under the umbrella management of LN Bits Incorporated for three years. If sold, I commit to 10% going to Fiat Joff and 10% towards LN Bits development. DM or email Ben at LNBits.com if if interested. Rationale, I would, of course, prefer to keep it, but current needs must, and then there's a period, so that's a bizarre sentence, but whatever. Current needs must. I bought the domain in 2020 for $5,000, and its value is at least 1,000x that. If not sold, at LNBits will use it for services such as relays and sell NIP05 handles. The sale must be to the right person, project, or company who will use it for something great. All right. Okay. So that's that's where we are. Ben Ark apparently in 2020 bought Noster.com for five grand, which is a shit ton of money. That's not exactly chicken feed, right? And I am honestly very surprised that it cost Ben Ark that much money back in 2020 because Noster as a protocol really was not all that known. I mean, there have been rumblings about it. So people had been talking about it and all that kind of shit, but dude, it was, it was a, honestly, at the time it was kind of a nothing burger. We, we nobody really was using it. There really wasn't any, a whole lot of, you know, there actually was, aren't, weren't really any clients for it at all. The landscape back in 2020, completely different landscape than where we find ourselves today. And yet it still cost him five grand. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm not exactly calling BS, but I'm not exactly certain that that was the actual price. I, I mean, but I wasn't there, so I don't know. But it just seems a little, seems a little high, right? Seems, seems a little high for something like Noster.com, which is spelled N-O-S-T-R. It's not even, 
You know, it's not even a functional, you know, grammar or a spelling correct name. Uh, so I, I don't get the $5,000 price tag, but be that as it may, Ben Ark bought it. And now he wants to sell it for $5 million. And rightfully so, Ben Ark is getting a lot of shit. You know, my current needs right now, I could use $5 million, but my current needs... Um, I need, I need money as a person. Yes, I need money. Do I need $5 million? No. I mean, like what that, I mean, unless you've got a bill at LN bits, which apparently is Ben Ark's, you know, outfit, unless you got a bill for $4.5 million and you're going to close up shop tomorrow without it, then I don't see, I don't see that as a, as an issue. All right. So I think, I think Ben is rightfully taking a bunch of shit for this and uh, we'll have to see how this shakes out. But here's my major issue with Noster.com, which I didn't even know existed until yesterday. I'm going to give the example of Bitcoin.com. Bitcoin.com should be stayed away from by everybody within reach of my voice. It is, it has, it is, has always been and will continue to be an unreliable source of anything. Why? Well, because back in the day, uh, Roger Ver of, you know, Bitcoin cash fame bought it and was operating it. But back in the day, Roger Ver was still a staunch supporter of, of Bitcoin. And then he did the whole BCH, which turned in, which got forked itself into Craig Wright's thing. And it just, he just, he didn't help. He didn't help. And the minute that he put Bitcoin Cash out there as a fork, Bitcoin.com immediately went to that Bitcoin Cash is the real Bitcoin, which we all know is not only untrue, but it's a scathing lie. All right, so then Bitcoin.com became completely unreliable. Somehow or another, a couple of years later, Bitcoin.com, we think, got transferred to a a completely different physical human being. We're not sure. Because all we really know about what happened with Bitcoin.com as the, during the website is that it started kind of not being so terrible. But then it got terrible again. And uh, another example is the Bitcoin handle on Twitter. That one really did get traded around the horn. And it became unreliable as well. Because again, like Bitcoin.com, it started tweeting one day about how only Bitcoin was the real Bitcoin. And it was actually using the ticker symbol BTC in its tweets. So we knew it was talking about actual Bitcoin. It did that for about a year. And then it started, it got traded again. Noster.com, and I mean, LN Bits is a good company and Ben Ark has been pretty much above board for years and years. And all of a sudden we get into this shit. And all I see is Roger Ver and the Bitcoin uh, handle on Twitter It's just all over again. It's like the Peter Pan thing. We've seen it all before and we will see it again.
This has all happened before. This is this will all happen again. And it's the opening line of Peter Pan, or at least the Disney movie. I don't trust Noster.com. I don't think you should trust Noster.com. I don't think that going forward in the future that you can expect anything but, I don't know, somebody promoting their other protocols and calling it the real Noster. It's going to all be the same, the same stuff. So you should be very, 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 very careful about how you approach anything on Noster.com moving forward. Now, with that said, um, oh, actually, with that said, I've got to do the Circle P. Circle P is open for business. Strange things are afoot at Circle P. And one of the strangest things that there is is Comfrey. And you can get that from shishi21m at protonmail.com if you want to actually go through the motions of emailing him to order your Comfrey plant. That's right, Comfrey. You want this plant, and in many places in the nation, it's not too late to get those roots in the ground. Sure, it's not going to grow like great, but that's not the point about comfrey. You don't need it to grow awesome in the first year. As long as it gets set, as long as those roots throw out, you know, like you throw a, a cutting in the ground, and as long as it sets just a little bit of root, it will be back next year, and it will come back with a vengeance. You can get comfrey cuttings, root cuttings, in fact, from Shishi. And if you want to do it in a fast manner, I would get a hold of that boy over there on Noster. I would. I would find Shishi. It's just at Shishi, S-H-I, S-H-I, on Noster. If you have real problems getting a hold of his in-pub, you can always DM me on Noster. I had a guy do that last week. I gave him Shishi's information and he was off to the races. That's right. So he has Bocking 14. He has Bocking 4. I can totally vouch for the genetics of Bocking 4 because he got those genetics from me. And now he is the keeper of the Bocking 4. But he also has Bocking 14. Uh, some people think the Bocking 14 is uh, better for forage for animals. I don't really know. I honestly think they're so close that you could just use both of them. You want this plant. You want this plant. You want this plant in the garden. And if you do it right... You can buy a set of cuttings from Shishi and you can propagate this infinitely. You'll never need to buy another root cutting ever again. You can propagate it until the world looks level. You can propagate it until you ain't got nothing in your yard but comfrey, right? But you definitely want this plant and it's non-invasive. These, both of these strains do not put out seeds. They are sterile. The only way you can propagate them is to dig them up make root cuttings and take those cuttings and put them somewhere else in another hole in the ground. And then you've got more comfrey. So it's completely and totally controllable. It will stay where you want it, but wherever you put it, you better want it there because it's going to be there forever, forever and ever and ever and ever. There's no way to get rid of it. And honestly, you don't want to get rid of it. If you want to know why you can go to, I think it's episode uh, 726. Let me see. Hold on. And I will find you exactly where it was. It was episode, yeah, 726, all about comfrey. Episode 726 of the Bitcoin and podcast. I do the whole show on comfrey. You'll you'll understand why you want it if you listen to 726. All right. Shishi, I hope, uh, uh, by the way, if you buy comfrey from Shishi, 
you need to tell him where you heard it from. Otherwise, he has no way to know where to send the Satoshis because me and Shishi's got a deal worked out for the Circle P where he throws me a percentage of the sale in Satoshis to my Lightning node on every sale. Now let's get into the news. Binance, head of product, is latest exec to depart the crypto exchange. That's right. The rats leaving the sinking ship. Uh, decrypt. .com. Andrew Asmakov is writing it. Mayur Kamat, the global head of product at Binance, has resigned from his position, becoming the latest in a string of top executives to bail the F out from the cryptocurrency exchange. Binance confirmed Kamat's departure in a statement provided to Decrypt, expressing gratitude for his contributions during a period of significant growth. Oh boy, I'll bet there's some suit speak coming up. What do you want to bet? Quote, we can confirm that Mayur has stepped down from his role as product lead. We are grateful to him for helping guide Binance through some of our most explosive growth, and we wish him the very best. Well, it's not too bad. Mayur Kamat, who previously worked at tech giants, including Google, Microsoft, and Agoda, joined Binance in January of 2022. According to his LinkedIn profile, he played key roles in expanding the crypto exchange's user base from 80 million to over 150 million within 18 months through the introduction of various product offerings. Kamat also claimed to have contributed significantly to the launch and success of Binance features such as Feed, Tax, and CDFI. Binance is by far the industry's largest exchange. Yes, we understand that. The latest departure follows a series of high-profile exits from Binance, including Patrick Hillman, who served as chief strategy officer until July of 2023, Stephen Christie, the senior vice president for compliance, and Han Ng, the general counsel, who all left the company in July. Binance has faced challenges in recent months. Yes, we know, and we also know about the SEC stuff. Uh, Let's see, where are we going Binance parent company is registered in the Cayman Islands. However, the exchange states it does not have any official headquarters. They've been stating that for years. Ladies and gentlemen, Zhao has taken aim at fake news coverage of Binance, accusing the exchange's naysayers of spreading FUD. Just last week, Zhao accused Binance critics of attempting to paint the company as akin to the failed crypto exchange FTX. He also stated that Binance is way ahead of the game in terms of regulatory compliance and that the exchange has only proved its strength by maintaining the large user base and market share that it has. The Binance CEO used similar rhetoric in July following the resignation of several of the exchange's top executives, saying that turnovers happen at every company and adding that the reasons deemed up or dreamed up by the news are completely wrong. Zhao hit back at media reports claiming Binance has laid off thousands of employees, saying that the numbers reported by media are way off. Last month, Binance announced that Kristen Kristen Hecht, who previously held the position of global head of corporate compliance, was appointed the company's new deputy chief compliance officer and global money laundering reporting officer. Uh, Okay, so I'm not going to get into the whole thing of spreading fear, uncertainty, and doubt myself. However, when you got this many executives bailing out, you know, within, well, two and a half months of each other. Actually, when you think about it, it was late July that some of these other guys left. And then we went all the way through August. And we're just at the head of September. 
and they've lost what three or four of their major guys. Chief of compliance isn't somebody that you just want to lose. That that's not somebody you want to lose. Your chief of legal is not somebody you want to lose. Right. So I think that these guys are bailing out, but I'm not going to say it's because Binance is clearly going down. I don't think Binance is going down. I think Binance is going to be pummeled. I think they're going to be thrown around like a rag doll. But I I don't think that they're going to actually close up shop. I think that they may lose a lot of their business. I think they may be hamstrung. I think they're going to have be hogtied and all of that and hobbled. But I don't think they're going away. They're just too damn big. We'll have to see what happens with Binance. But it's going, you know, this whole Binance saga along with the Grayscale stuff, Again, this is the last part of the hurricane. I've been saying it for months, but this is a huge storm that's been running over Bitcoin since the whole Terra Luna thing started. The entire cascade began with Terra Luna, and then it devolved into FTX and Alameda, and then we had a little sweet spot with the eye of the storm. But I was warning everybody that the other side of the storm is coming, and it is has come. It's been here for a while, but we're not out of the woods yet. All right. So just be aware. The having is further away than anybody wants, but that's the way it is. Valkyrie, chief investment officer, I guess it was a CIO, predicts US Bitcoin spot ETF approval by the first quarter of 2024. And by the way, this is written by Reed McDonald for Bitcoin Magazine in a new interview with Bloomberg. Stephen McClurg, the CIO of Valkyrie Investments, predicts that a spot Bitcoin ETF could become a reality in the first quarter of 2024, potentially marking a significant milestone in the crypto industry. Further, he indicated that there is a 50% chance a Bitcoin ETF is approved in October the earliest that such a fund could pass evaluation by the SEC. Elsewhere, the discussion revolved around the ongoing efforts by several financial institutions and asset managers to launch a Bitcoin ETF in the United States. While Canada and other countries have already embraced crypto ETFs, the U.S. has been slower to approve such products primarily due to regulatory concerns. McClurg believes that the growing acceptance and understanding of cryptocurrencies among regulators and institutional investors will pave the way for a Bitcoin spot ETF in the near future. He points out that the SEC has been actively engaging with the crypto industry to establish clear guidelines for these financial products. The potential approval of a Bitcoin spot ETF could open doors for a broader range of investors to gain exposure to the world's largest cryptocurrency. Currently, U.S. investors can access Bitcoin through various investment trusts and futures contracts, but a spot... ETF would provide a more direct and convenient investment vehicle. McClurg predicted that the market for Bitcoin could 10x on the back of institutional investment from pension funds and other professional money managers. The interview also touched on the broader implications of Bitcoin spot ETFs. It could potentially attract more institutional money into the market, driving liquidity. However, McClurg acknowledges that the regulatory hurdles have to be cleared before a Bitcoin spot ETF can become a reality. And the SEC has expressed concerns about market manipulation 
custody solutions, and investor protection. Valkyrie is one of the over 10 firms that have currently filed with the SEC for a Bitcoin spot ETF. And all of them have been put on hold for 45 days because they're just like the SEC apparently has no ability to make a decision anymore on anything. Either just flat out deny their ass and let everybody go to court or approve it. But this continuous kicking of the can down the road, how much time does the friends of the SEC actually need to get into position? How much time do you need? I mean, we, you've, you've had months to figure this out. So something seems like something else is going on. Seems like they just don't want this but they know they don't have a rock to stand on when it comes to their inability to explain why they're denying it. So they just continuously kick the can down the road. They kick the can down the road so many times that all these people have to refile. And then that starts the clock ticking all over again. And that works in the SEC's favor. So exactly what's going, the, the, the thinking the thinking process for the SEC at this point baffles me. I'm frightened and confused by your modern society, as caveman lawyer would say. All right. Tethers Arduino says it is now a top buyer of the United States Treasury bills and holds $72.5 billion worth of them. Ezra Reguera for Cointelegraph. Stablecoin issuer Tether has become one of the world's top buyers of United States Treasury bills, according to Tether Chief Technology Officer Pablo or Paolo Arduino in a social media post. Arduino highlighted that Tether currently has an exposure of $72.5 billion in T-bills. The amount takes place, or no, the amount places the stablecoin issuer among the top 22 holders in the world, ranking above many countries, including Spain, Mexico, Australia, and the UAE. (laughs) Holy crap. That's a lot of T-bills, dude. Arduino believes this development demonstrates the relevance of USDT in various emerging markets across the globe. According to him, USDT is providing communities a lifeline to protect themselves and yada, yada, yada. The executive sentiments came in response to another social media post highlighting the lowering rate of China's ownership of UST bills. According to that report, China is getting out of U.S. debt and moving its funds into gold. Tether's ownership of billions of dollars worth of T-bills was also reported by the company earlier this year. On July the 31st, the company released a reserves attestation for USDT, stating that it holds $3.3 billion in excess reserves for its stablecoin. Meanwhile, Tether continues to try to expand its reach. On August the 29th, it added a private bank in the Bahamas called Britannia Bank and Trust as a partner to process dollar transfers within its platform. The company joins Tether's roster of banking partners, which include Deltec Bank and Capital Union Bank. It should not be dismissed as to the fact that UST bills at this point, in my view, is toxic debt instruments. 
it, they could find them like $72.5 billion in T-bills. That's the face value. According to this, according to this, their face value holdings of T-bills stand at $72.5 billion U.S. Jerome Powell has been on a tear in raising interest rates. If you didn't know this, whenever the Fed raises interest rates, the face value of the T-bills drops. And if you, if you have to hold them to maturity, you're going to be fine because the interest rate that you're getting for that shit is going to make up for it on the other end. And if you hold to maturity, the face value will be honored. But, 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 but if you need liquidity, then you have to sell those bonds. And those bonds are not going to sell at face value. Okay, you're not selling them back to the treasury. You're selling them to somebody else because you can only get them back to the treasury at the time of their expiry, right? So when you sell to somebody else, they're not going to pay face value because they're only going to get face value back. They'd just be doing you a favor. They'd be making you a loan. They're not going to do that. So they're going to buy those for much less than the face value. So at that point, if Jerome Powell decides to raise interest rates again, that $72.5 billion is going to be a whole lot less money. Why Tether is holding T-bills at this extreme is beyond my comprehension. But I'm not an executive over at Tether, so I don't know. But this seems very dangerous for Tether. We'll have, again, and I hate to say it so many times, we're going to have to see what happens. We're also going to have to see what happens with the following. Helen Parts from Cointelegraph is writing, Jack Dorsey's B-Trust acquires African Bitcoin organization Quala. I think is how you pronounce it. Q-A-L-A. We'll see what this shit's all about. B-Trust, a nonprofit organization funded by Twitter, now ex-co-founder and Bitcoin advocate Jack Dorsey, is scaling up its programs in Africa with the new acquisition. The nonprofit has acquired Quala, an organization dedicated to training Bitcoin and Lightning Network engineers in Africa. The acquisition will help B-Trust in its mission to drive the development and education of Bitcoin open source engineering from across the global south, the organization said in a joint statement. As part of the transition, which will, was completed on September the 1st, Koala will rebrand as the B-Trust Builders Program. Founded in 2021, Koala has been engaged with sourcing, training, and matching African software developers with global Bitcoin firms, helping them obtain the most relevant skills for the global Bitcoin ecosystem. According to the announcement, Koala has built one of the largest online communities of Bitcoin developers in Africa, spanning over 42 countries, including Nigeria, Kenya, and Uganda. The program's alumni have secured roles in firms such as Bitcoin native banking platform Galloy, Lightning-based messenger Sphinx Chat, and peer-to-peer platform Bitnob, in addition to obtaining open-source grants from B-Trust and Superlunar. Under the acquisition's terms, Koala CEO Femi Longi and program manager Stephanie Titcomb will join B-Trust as program leads at B-Trust Builders. Quote, we're incredibly proud. It's suit speak, guys. I'm going to skip it. Dorsey announced the creation of B-Trust back in February of 2021. Worth 500 BTC, 
or $23.7 million at time of the announcement, the nonprofit initially focused on teams in Africa and India. Apart from Dorsey, the trust was initially funded by crypto-friendly rapper Jay-Z. The nonprofit is currently headed up by a board of directors including Abukar Nur Kali, Carla Kirk Cohen, Obi Nwosu, and Ochai. And <clears throat> Obi Nwosu um, is if he's one of my favorite people in the space, especially the African Bitcoin space. Been around for years. If you haven't read some of his stuff, um, you should. He's he's actually an excellent, excellent writer. Now, uh, Super Bowl. Oh God. <laughs> As if, as if FTX and Alameda just—it's it, like a zombie. It just pops up every once in a while, and here it is again. Jack Schickler for CoinDesk is writing Larry David's Super Bowl ad casts doubt on FTX.US separation, according to the Department of Justice of the United States. FTX ads. Featuring comedian Larry David and American football player Tom Brady show a blurring between the bankrupt crypto exchanges, U.S. and international businesses, a Friday night filing by the United States Department of Justice said. Sam Bateman-Fried's FTX founder and former CEO is sparring about exactly what evidence the government can bring in support of the charge that includes wire fraud, and he's accused the DOJ of introducing corruption and campaign finance allegations through the back door. Bankman Fried has pleaded not guilty, and his trial starts October the 2nd. His lawyers say legally separate U.S. operations should be carved out as accusations relate to the international business. The government says the distinction is not so clear-cut, citing a now-famous series of ads aired just months before a great crypto crash that eventually took down Bankman Fried's empire. Quote, celebrities are featured in advertisements describing FTX as a safe and easy way to get into crypto and showing customers using a device displaying the FTX logo, not the FTX.US logo, said the DOJ filing, citing a Super Bowl ad featuring David and a separate spot with Brady and his then-wife Giselle Bundchen. Quote, international documents indicate that FTX made no distinction between advertising for the international platform and advertising for FTX.us. The DOJ also wants to go over the fine details surrounding FTX's collapse, arguing they're inextricably intertwined with the alleged misappropriation of customer funds. While Bankman Fried has argued he has a strong armed or he was strong armed into ceding control of a company that could have returned to financial health, the government has said events around the bankruptcy are of interest to the jury, even if the eventual fate of FTX is not. Quote, whether customers could be made whole in the future is immaterial as a matter of law, the DOJ said. Testimony will show that FTX co-founder Gary Wang helped Bankman Fried move assets to the Bahamas on November the 11th, which were plainly acts of furtherance of the charged wire fraud scheme the government said. Bankman Fried's lawyers have accused the government of effectively circumventing the terms of his extradition from the Bahamas from where he ran company operations. The DOJ recently withdrew charges relating to campaign finance laws and the alleged bribery of Chinese officials as they weren't covered in the original request to bring him to the U.S. In bringing in evidence related to those charges, the government is seeking to claw back 
the government's earlier narrowing of the case and try tr- and to try Mr. Bankman Fried on the severed and withdrawn counts, Bankman Fried's filing said, quote, the sole discernible impact on this trial of admitting evidence of the alleged bribery would be to risk improperly inducing the jury to believe Mr. Bankman Fried had a criminal propensity. <laughs> yeah, he clearly did, but whatever. Bankman Fried was arrested in December and was last month deemed to breach bail conditions by contacting witnesses and leaking potential evidence to the New York Times. His lawyer lawyers have protested that prison conditions are making it impossible for him to prepare. Oh, the poor guy being a vegan, he just can't handle the food from Sodexo, who is actually a major prison supplier of, of lunchtime meals and dinner and whatnot. All right, so I, I'm going to... And it's probably because I just can't stand FTX at this point, but I'm going to side with the DOJ. If it is true, if it is true, because I didn't, I didn't watch the Super Bowl, so I don't know. I didn't see any of the ads. But, 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 if it's true that they were using the FTX logo in those ads on United States television and not the FTX.us logo, which is in fact different, then the DOJ has a case. I'm sorry, but I mean, that's just, that's just part of communications and marketing. You have to know which logo you're using for advertising, customer communications, inter, you know, interdepartmental communications. I'm sorry, but that's the way it goes. I can't help you if you're, if you are that dense that you can't figure out how to separate that shit, that's your fault. But I think they knew exactly what they were doing. I think they meant to use the FTX logo. Can I prove it? No. Do I care? (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Before we do the numbers, let's wrap this uh, first part of the show up with BTC pay server has partnered with spiral and LDK to develop a BTC pay app. That's right. No BS Bitcoin is writing it for us. BTC pay server will work with spiral and lightning dev kit to help brick and mortar businesses accept non-custodial lightning payments on their mobile. Yes. Not everyone knows how to deploy a server, but everyone can run an app on their phone. So we've teamed up with Spiral and LDK and have begun working on the BTC Pay app. Quote, aiming to replicate the success and impact of the BTC Pay server for e-commerce payments, the BTC Pay app is laser focused on brick and mortar businesses. To scale Bitcoin effectively, Lightning must be user friendly and non-custodial for mom and pop stores. We're bringing or beginning a long journey, but it's the only way to stay on track with our mission, ensuring anyone can accept Bitcoin anywhere, anytime, without intermediaries. This is a huge deal. This is massive. One of the only reasons people are using something other than BTC Pay Server is because it's easier. That's what it boils down to. It's the user experience And that user experience is driven by several factors. One, how hard is it to a thing to set up? B, once it is set up, 
How hard is it to use it? C, what is maintenance like? Okay, those three factors are basically the 90% of your user experience. I, you know, most people are like, would, would say, no, it's really like, what is the, what does the interface look like? No, that's not it. That's not it. The user experience is the whole thing. And setting up a BTC pay server, even though for me on my node, BTC is a one click deal. That's not all there is to it. That's just not all there is to it. There's maintenance. There's all kinds of stuff that you got to worry about. And it has to be online all the time. It has to be up and running all the time. But, 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 if they do this as an app, it's going to do two things. One, it's going to make it dead simple to interact in the, with the BTC pay server ecosystem. Two, it begs the question, how will it be centralized? Well, it says non-custodial, right? Let's make sure, let's make sure it's actually, yes. User, it must be user-friendly and non-custodial for mom and pop stores as far as the lightning portion of this is concerned. Hopefully they'll also be doing, you know, on-chain or they will still allow on-chain stuff as well. But lightning is definitely the more important side of it. So they're going for non-custodial. How? How's that going to actually work? Is it going to be the fact that you have a non-custodial lightning channel with a central, massive centralized BTC pay server? Because at that point, we're kind of centralizing again, and we always have to be wary about that. But beyond that, this is great news. BTC pay server is one of the most important projects in the space has been for years, for years. All right, now let's run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities, it got Earl up 0.55%, at least West Texas Intermediate is. Up to, good Lord, $87.32 a barrel. Brent North Sea likewise up a half, $90.47. So we've breached the $90 a barrel level for Brent North Sea. Natural gas has fallen to $2.53 after a 1.78% decrease. And gasoline is up almost half a point, $2.59 a gallon. Got gold, ah, nope. All of your shiny metal rocks are having a bad day. And that's probably because the Fed may not be done hiking. I told you that. I think that they're going to do another 0.25. I, that's what I really believe. Uh, gold is down a half to $1,943.20. Silver is down 1.67. Platinum is down damn near two points. Copper is down a point and three quarters. And palladium is down a third. Uh, yeah, pretty much a green day for ag. Lumber is up a half a point. Biggest winner is um, wheat, 1.92% to the upside. Biggest loser today is cotton, over two points to the downside. I got live cattle up almost a full point. Lean hogs, however, are down one and two thirds of a point. Feeder cattle are up a half. Yes, the indices are having a bad day because of this reactionary event that it's possible that the Fed may raise interest rates. Well, it's not possible, and it's not may. They're going to. 
and it's going to be by 0.25. That's that's what's going to happen. Anyway, Dow is down 0.76%. S&P is down almost a point. NASDAQ is down a point and a half, no, a point and a quarter. And the uh, S&P mini is down two thirds of a point. Real money is struggling too. $25,583.25 is your fiat conversion rate for one Bitcoin. We've got an average transaction value of 0.42 BTC, a median transaction value of $1.33. Block times are pretty good, 10 minutes and eight seconds. We've got 0.21 BTC in a in fees in a, on a per block basis and 30 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. Can you guess, can you guess what mempools around the world look like because they've taken 30 BTC? I'll bet you can guess, but we'll get to that in a second. With a 10.38% drop in hash rate, we're back down to 355.1 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is Doge, as usual, 6.3 United States pennies. We have now dipped below $500 billion in market cap. We're at 498.2, in fact, and that is now only 3.89% of gold's entire market cap. You may purchase uh, what, ooh, no, 13.4 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,477,843 of and 4,738 of those are in the Lightning Network valued at $121.2 million, being run over 16,192 nodes, sporting 68,185 payment channels that we know about, and 73.3% of all of it's being run over Tor. Here's your mempools. 218 blocks carrying 555,000 unconfirmed transactions waiting to clear at priority of 21 Satoshis per V-byte on transactions. You can get a transaction in low priority at 19 Satoshis per V-byte and anything under seven Satoshis per V-byte are being purged from mempools around the world. Hash rate for mempool.space is saying 388.4 exahashes per second. So that's, we're pretty much sure that we're talking about 388 exahashes per second because both of those numbers from <clears throat> BitInfo charts as well as mempool.space match. I am now number six on Fountain. I do believe, I may have actually, oh, no, I dropped down even worse than that. What am I? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I'm number 11. I'm back out of the top 10. However, two days, I think it was Monday, may have been Sunday night. I was actually in the number one spot. I was, I was able to claim the number one spot for at least a little while. And that's because of you and people like you. And we'll get to, as soon as this loads up, hopefully we'll get to the boostergrams. Oh, here they are. Sats McDuck, 12,021 Satoshis. Uh, palindrome boost, great. Uh, great content, thank you. No, thank you. Wartime Psycho with 3K says, awesome rip. Rev is the shiznit. Yes, he is. Nick underscore dose with 1369 says, cheers. And Monard with 1,001 sat. Another palindrome boost says, thank you, sir, for opening my eyes to the interesting topics of permaculture. I'm looking forward to more episodes with Rev.Hoddle. Hey, plebs listening, don't be shy. Got something to share? Do it. Yeah, yeah, no kidding, man. MCOT with 457 says, great interview. 
Love that Rev Hoddle is doing on his homestead. Henry GQJ says with 200 says, great interview. Love what Rev.Hoddle is up to on Nostra, especially all the mining project. Uh, Good news too. I received an email from PFAF.org with a BTC address to send donations to. Uh, Nice. Hopefully they get back to all of you as well. Henry comes back and replies to that one, says, I need to learn to reread my messages before hitting send. Thanks, brain. Sauce, 4230 says, with 100 sats, permaculture plus Bitcoin equals cheaper, healthier food for every class of families, individuals across the oval globe we call Earth. That is of right now our only celestial body that we can call home. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Big Gus with a hundred finishes this out and says, I left you a boost a while back saying your show is shit and wanted to tell you that that was a typo and I apologize. I mean to say that your show is the shit. (laughs) Keep it up. Thanks, Big Gus. That's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Bitcoin and podcast, speaking of the podcast, is now on ipfspodcasting.net. That is ipfpodcasting, all one word, dot net. IPFS, if you don't know, is Interplanetary File System. Um, A guy, let's see if I can... Hold on for a second, because I, I I should have had this ready. I didn't have it ready. It's all my fault, and I'm probably not going to be able to find it again. Uh, let me give it a shot, though. Hold on. Nope, nope. No, I'm not going to be able to find it. Uh, a, a gentleman reached out to me on Nostra DMs and asked me if it was okay to put the RSS feed up into this IPFSpodcasting.net, and I said, sure. I mean, I'm not, you know, the, the, the fact that this guy wanted to do it, I'm like, yeah, bitching, you know, cause I didn't know anything about IPFS podcasting.net interplanetary file system has some problems. Essentially the idea was to have, I don't know, a massive P2P network of file sharing and IPFS was born. It's very old. Well, relatively, um, It works in some ways, it doesn't work in others, but that's not the point. The point is, is that a listener reached out to me and said, hey, I like the show. I actually wanted, you know, going to give you some of my time. The three T's, time, talent, and treasure, was giving me his time by making sure that if there are people using ifpspodcasting.net, that my show is on it. So now it is. I will hopefully have a uh, link to that in the show notes. Hold on. Actually, I can do that. I can do that right now. And I'm just going to pop that in right over here. There we go. Now it's in there. So um, I want to say thank you to the gentleman who did that. I do believe it's Keeves underscore something. I had it, but in my DMs, but somehow or another, it's, it's just not there. You know who I am? I'm, I'm getting a lot of really, there's a whole bunch of uh, impersonators on Noster. Be aware um, when you are following somebody like American Hoddle, and then all of a sudden you go to DMs, and in the requests side, at least on Domus, 
instead of the DMs, because DMs on Domus are people that you've directly interacted with on DMs before. Uh, requests are people that you've never interacted with before. I've interacted with American HODL on several times. Four days ago, I get the exact same, like the avatar and everything about it. And he says, hello. And then Edward Snowden, he also says, hello. Willie Woo says, hello. How are you today? Hold on. Street sweeper. All right. I think it's gone. We'll, we'll have to find out. But uh, again, uh, be careful. This Willie Woo guy not is not Willie Woo. This Edward Snowden guy is not Edward Snowden. This is becoming bad, and we're just going to have to deal with it. All right? We're ju- you're just going to have to actually look at the people that you're following and, and make sure that it's the actual person. Okay. I, you know, I wish that there was another way, but right now it's early days of Noster. We're just going to have to contend with the bullshit tools will be built, but you will have to wait for them. Okay. Marathon's Bitcoin mining rate has fallen 9% in August. David Atlee coin telegraph United States based Crypto mining operator Marathon Digital Holdings produced 1,072 Bitcoin in August, which was 9% less than in July, but five times more than August of last year in 2022. On September the 5th, Marathon shared the unaudited BTC production and miner installation updates for August. According to the press release, the company increased its U.S. operational hash rate by 2% month over month, to 19.1 exahashes in August, and it increased its installed hash rate by 1% month over month to 23.1 exahash. The rise occurred due to the upgrade of Bitmain AmpMiner S19J Pro miners to more efficient S19XP models. Marathon reached its primary domestic growth target of 23 exahashes and now aims to go to 30 with two planned to be obtained through international facilities and five by contract from other entities. Marathon is also finalizing paperwork on its new mining facility in Garden City, Texas. God, I've been to Garden City several times. You're driving from Midland to San Angelo. You're going to end up going through Garden City. There's nothing out there, man. (laughs) it's a wasteland oh my god anyway it's a joint venture with abu dhabi mining 50 bitcoin in august wow i had no idea that they were working with abu dhabi as to the relative decrease in btc production marathon ceo fred teal blames it on climate conditions quote the decrease in bitcoin production from july was largely due to increased curtailment activity in texas Due to record high temperatures, these temporary shutdowns more than offset the progress we have made to increase our operational hash rate and optimize our operations, end quote. In August, Marathon published its second quarter 2023 results, claiming a 228% increase in revenue over the second quarter of last year. The company, yeah, the company reported a $23.4 million gain from selling 63% of the Bitcoin mined in that quarter, which it used to fund operating costs. Impairment charges on the value of its held digital assets were $8.4 million. So that's how hot Texas has been, is that it's actually impacted 
at the same, well, you know, and at the same time, they were increasing their hash rates. So there was some definite expenditure there. But when you've got a 9% fall in your revenue, that's that's a lot. That That's almost, that's just teetering on double digit failure, right? That's how hot it's been in Texas. I mean, it's so, it's ridiculously hot down there. And we're, you know, Eastern Washington right now, it's like 60 degrees. I love Texas. I love, love, love Texas. I hate the summers. If there was a way that I could move and just be in Texas in the early spring, all through the fall and all through the winter, I would, and then come back somewhere else in the summer, I would do it. That heat is getting to be lethal. And I still, to this day, do not understand how these miners are able to operate in Texas summers. I keep thinking about the poor ASICs machines just going, why do you hate us? Why do you want us to die? Because it's that bad. It's that bad. It's that bad. Oh my God, it's just just brutal down there. But BitGo has signed a strategic agreement with Korean heavyweight Hanabank. This is out of Coindesk, Oliver Knight. BitGo, a crypto custodian based in California, has signed a strategic business agreement with South Korean commercial bank Hanabank, BitGo said at Korea Blockchain Week on Tuesday. The deal covers security solutions, tech tie-ups, and a possible joint venture, Korea Economic Daily reported. BitGo will assist Hana Bank in the development of custody services in the second half of 2024, according to a forecast report. Uh, see what they did there? The announcement comes three weeks after BitGo raised $100 million at a valuation of $1.75 billion. Hana Bank has $448 billion in assets under management and has shown interest in digital assets in the past, with reports stating that the bank is actively participating in Bank of Korea's ongoing central bank digital currency proof of concept project. BitGo also plans to open an office in Korea in the second half of next year after preparing necessary licenses to abide by local regulations, and neither Hana nor BitGo has replied for a request for comment. Well, of course, because this is kind of a big deal. South Korean Hana Bank is a big deal. It's like half a trillion dollars in assets under management. That's a massive deal. And BitGo, even though not one of my favorite Bitcoin companies because they were on the wrong side, they were. They were on the wrong side of the New York Agreement. And we won't get into that. If you don't know what the New York Agreement is, just look, just type in your favorite, you know, search engine, uh, NYA and 2017, and you'll find it. And BitGo was there and they were on the wrong side of it and they've never apologized. Be that as it may, they've still survived, which means that they're doing something right. And I'm not exactly sure what that is, but ugh, they're still, they, they still do Bitcoin though. They're, I mean, they're, it's, this is kind of a big deal is what I'm trying to say. It's not something to sneeze at, even though I'm not a fan of BitGo, but with all things Bitcoin, we'll have to see how this one goes. Uh, where are we at? <clears throat> oh, good Lord. No way. I'm not doing that one. That's ridiculous. All right. This one out of Coindesk, the relationship between Bitcoin 
and interest rates is breaking down. This, according to Arthur Hayes, the once CEO of leverage trading giant BitMEX. And if you weren't around in the uh, early days of BitMEX, man, you missed it. That was that was fun. They would allow you to leverage 100 to 1 on longs and shorts on the BitMEX trading platform. It was so degen, it wasn't even funny. But Arthur Hayes has always been a fairly good Joe, even though he allowed people to get wrecked AF. He's writing about this. The steepest Fed rate hike cycle in decades should have killed Bitcoin and other risk assets, but a new relationship between the two are forming, Hayes argued in a Tuesday keynote at the ongoing Korea Blockchain Week. By all accounts, the United States should be heading into a recession, and risk assets like Bitcoin or tech stocks such as NVIDIA should be nowhere near their current values thanks to the steepest Federal Reserve rate hike cycle in decades. But the opposite is happening. Economists have increasingly course-corrected on their recession forecast. Bitcoin has doubled since crypto exchanges, FTX's multi-billion dollar collapse, and NVIDIA shares are soaring. Quote, it's different than what happened before. The standard playbook is starting to break down. Arthur Hayes, the founder of BitMEX and current chief investment officer at Maelstrom, said during a keynote at Korea Blockchain Week attended by Coindesk. Hayes argued that the Federal Reserve's moves to raise interest rates to combat inflation have had unintended consequences on the broader economy. Rising financial asset prices can boost capital gains taxes and government revenue. But when the Fed raises interest rates, these prices can stagnate, reducing tax revenue, Hayes opined. Quote, All the while, this, coupled with the political hostility of austerity, increased deficits leading the U.S. Treasury to issue more bonds. The resulting interest payments to the wealthy stimulate spending and nominal GDP growth, creating a paradox where the Fed's rate hikes inadvertently fuel economic growth, he said. Quote, whether the Fed raises or cuts, we're in a good position as a cryptocurrency industry, he added. In a follow-up interview with Coindesk, Hayes gave a preview of his speech he's set to give later this month at Token 2049 in Singapore. He argues that AI companies, due to their significant cash reserves and robust revenue streams, are less reliant on banks for loans or credit than traditional businesses are. Quote, I believe that the global government bond market is basically going to be the one that defaults unless the global central banks print more money, he said, pointing out that this would significantly strain the banking system again. Quote, I don't want to own regular businesses because regular businesses need credit, and central banks are paying rates that are incredibly expensive, and the banking system is broke. But AI companies don't need banks. If I have extra cash, I'm not going to invest in General Motors. I'm going to invest in NVIDIA. Filecoin, in Hayes' opinion, is a big beneficiary of this AI crypto crossover. Filecoin, really? Come on, Arthur. God damn it. Filecoin, which has already experienced a massive hype cycle and saw a significant drop from its peak, is positioned to grow. Due to the increasing amount of computational power being added to its network, Hayes argued, we're in danger zone. Danger zone. Do not buy Filecoin. Yes, I understand. 
If Arthur Hayes is going to pump Filecoin, then it's probably going to pump. You don't want to have anything to do with it. Why? Not because you can't enjoy the pump yourself. Because you don't know when the pump ends. Right? I'm not exactly happy with Arthur Hayes at this moment in time. Nobody should have anything to do with any shitcoin at all. And that clearly includes Filecoin. This thing has been a mess for years. Stay away from it. Stay away from it. Stay away from it. Yeah, you're going to stay away from it. And then you're going to see its price rise. And then you're going to get pissed at me. But, and you'll say it was my fault that you didn't get rich. No, it's your fault you didn't get rich because there's no way, no fucking way that you'll know when to sell that shit coin. That's what I'm trying to get you away from. That's what I'm trying to save you from. I don't know why Arthur is doing this. This doesn't actually sound like Arthur at all, but we've got to finish what we started. However, Hayes warns that investing in AI right now may not yield immediate returns. He argues that many companies in the space are overvalued, have a lengthy timeline to an IPO or a long token lockup period, and might just have a poor product market fit with a high number of users, but a low number of paying subscribers, meaning that many retail investors might not see a return for a long time, if ever. But this mania might come crashing down. The convergence of three manias, AI, crypto, and money printing will lead to a significant asset bubble. Quote, these three manias together are going to produce the 80-year biggest asset bubbles that we've had since the Great Depression in the 1930s, Hayes noted. Now that, that, boys and girls, Damen und Herren, I do agree with. That part, that what he said at the very last of this article. These three manias, the money printing, the crypto in general, which includes, which is 99% shitcoin and scam, and this AI thing, this is, this is a terrible bubble that's forming. And we're in a world of bubbles. Nothing is safe. That is why I buy Bitcoin and I hold Bitcoin. Just stay away from Filecoin, please. And any, if it's not Bitcoin, stay away from it. Just don't do it. I know you're salivating. I know you're thinking, well, if I time it just right... Famous last words, if I time it just right. How are you going to time the exit? You can see the pump. That's why it's a fucking pump. It's clear. It's clear cut. You have certain people that have influential powers over different social networks saying Filecoin's going to explode. That is a clear signal to get in. There's never a clear signal to get out. By the time that signal to get out comes, you're toast. That's the problem with the pump. Only a few, very few people are going to know when to pull the plug. And when they do, you're going to get rugged. The only thing they can't do that with is Bitcoin. So just buy Bitcoin and hold Bitcoin and have fun. All right, that's going to do it for the morning roundup. Dad says jokes. I tried donating blood today. Never again. Really? What happened? Too many stupid questions. Whose blood is it? Where did you get it from? Why is it in a bucket? 
<laughs> yeah, that'd probably be a that'd probably a not be a fun thing to bring a whole bunch of blood in a bucket and try to donate it. All right, all right. <clears throat> Where are we at? Oh, yes. We're gonna I'm gonna play you guys out with they ride from I R O H. But before that, we have one announcement from Fountain Podcasts, right? Fountain app, okay? The Fountain app. They've just released this press release. Fountain 0.8 music podcast, player updates, and performance upgrades. So, music podcasts. This is in beta. While there are many podcasts that talk about music, there are very few which actually feature full-length tracks because securing rights is so complex and expensive. That's all about to change thanks to the latest developments in Podcasting 2.0, paving the way for a brand new category of music podcasts where DJs can play tracks and artists get paid directly by the audience as they listen on their podcast app. The first music podcast of this kind is Boostagram Ball by Adam Curry. Every Friday, Adam plays a selection of tracks which artists have published to an RSS feed and made available in open libraries like Podcast Index and Wavelength. The money sent via Boost and streams flows directly to the artist and listeners can add the tracks that they liked to their Fountain Library to listen to again later. If you're wondering how it works, Fountain 0.8 supports two new tags from the podcast namespace that makes it possible. The podcast medium tag allows the podcast host to specify the type of content contained within the RSS feed. If the medium is specified as music, we label it accordingly in Fountain Search and deliver a more bespoke user experience for listening to music. The podcast value time split tag allows the podcast host to specify the value recipient for a certain podcast of time or for a certain period of time during an episode. In other words, the splits change dynamically depending on which track is currently playing and the money listeners send gets paid directly to that artist. You can learn more about this emerging category of music podcast by listening to Adam Curry's interview with pod news weekly review. And they give a link. There are also more music podcasts like Adam's available on Fountain, which you can find out about here. And there's another link. Give them a listen and try it out for yourself. If you would like to make music or your music available so it can be featured in podcasts, or you're looking to include music in your podcast, we would highly recommend watching this tutorial from Kieran Down. And again, there's another link. Player updates. We've made two small but significant updates to the player screen, making two important features accessible in fewer taps. You can now view and manage your queue directly from your player screen. We also had feedback from users that queued items were not playing in the correct order, so we fixed that and added some labels for now playing and next in queue. For podcasts that have provided chapters, you can now see which chapter you're listening to currently and open up the panel to skip to another chapter without leaving the player screen. There are performance upgrades as well. The new update brings about some improvements in performance, so you should notice that running the app on your mobile device consumes less data and less power. While we're continuing to work on further improvements, these updates represent a substantial leap forward in quality of life. And then they're asking for feedback. So there's also one other thing that I've noticed about Fountain lately that I have been 
begging for for at least a year, if not a year and a half. And that was the ability to, when wearing Apple, like this is just Apple stuff, Apple earbuds, and specifically the AirPods on my Apple phone, right? So I'm listening on AirPods. On other podcast apps, I would have been able to tap one of my uh, AirPods twice and fast forward 30 seconds. Fountain wasn't doing that. And somehow or another, I discovered like last week that they are now doing that. So if you haven't tried double tapping your AirPod while listening and you want to skip over a commercial or something like that in a a podcast and you're you're using AirPods and and iOS, try giving and you're doing it on Fountain. Try giving it a double tap and it will skip 30 seconds into the future. All right. With all that said, they ride.
Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.